Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code COLLEGEDRAFT to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is daddy soda time here on the College Draft podcast, always presented by betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Just use the promo code PODCAST1 for the 50% welcome bonus. He is Matt Waldman. Can't highly recommend enough following him on social media, especially Twitter, to see his awesome video breakdowns at Matt Waldman. He also does a terrific job with the rookie scouting portfolio, that's www.mattwaldmanrsp.com. NFL teams buy this stuff. He is that good. Get some knowledge from our guy, Matt Waldman. Speaking of knowledge, you can also get some knowledge from the Dos Equis College Football Football College, where you'll learn from brilliant football minds like Jake Cutler, Martellus Bennett, Katie Nolan, John Bacon, the guy who wrote the book on college football. Not only are you going to win every football argument this season, holidays, whatever, you can even enter for a chance to win tickets to the 2020 College Football Playoff National Championship. Be the first person in your family to earn a football watching certificate from a beer school. Enroll in Dos Equis College Football, Football College at dosequis.com slash edu. Dos Equis, keep it in Terrasante. Dos Equis beer brands, enjoy Dos Equis responsibly, imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Copyright 2019. Dos Equis beer brands, no purchase necessary. 50 US DC, 21 plus only. Enter by 12 2019. Full rules available on dosequis.com slash edu. I should probably tell you as well that my name is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, have a bunch of different podcasts. The Ross Tucker Football Podcast is daily. Even Money, which we're actually recording today, this week, on Tuesday, right after we're done with the College Draft Podcast. That's the sport, That's the NFL betting show. Then we, of course, have fantasy content with the Fantasy Feast Podcast. 
And of course, there's Andrew Brandt's Business of Sports podcast as well. But we just came off an unbelievable weekend of college football, and we got another one coming up. So let's dive right into it. Matt, before we dive into this weekend's games, we had an awesome weekend of college football this past weekend, whether it was the upset by South Carolina over Georgia or that LSU-Florida game that was fantastic and uh, Joe Burrow keeps lighting it up. Penn State-Iowa was a terrific game. We'll get into Penn State's, uh, at least one of their prospects, momentarily here. The Bowling Green-Toledo game I did ended up being incredible, which I was not expecting. Any big takeaways for you, Matt, from last weekend, from a prospect standpoint, uh, anybody jump out at you that you feel like you want to mention before we preview uh, what's coming up here in week number, gosh, is it week eight already? Yeah, week eight. Yeah, I mean, I think we just need to emphasize again how well Joe Burrow's been playing. I mean, I think that that's something that when you see a guy who's you know, who jumps into a new team as a quarterback into the SEC and has played as well as he has. Um, I, I just think that this is a guy that bears watching, especially, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny probably about him because of having, you know, one good year as a quarterback. And we often hear about the, you know, the tried and true kind of, you know, old school thought of that one good year isn't enough for a quarterback, but from the, de- the decision-making that he is executing is really strong. And I think that that's something that you, you're going to hear about. He needs to have at least two strong years under his belt. Um, but I, I would say you look at him and he might prove to be the exception. Yeah. Well, he played last year and now he's playing at an unbelievable level. There's no question I also know. I know Matt. You you live in Athens. Are you a are you a Georgia fan in in your heart? <laughs> I used to. I lived there for about twenty five years, and I worked at the university, and I probably worked about oh I don't know, um, probably within about five minute walk of the stadium. Um, but you know what's funny is I was offered to do, or at least you know, kind of scoped out to do a book on the history of the university. But I, you know, I was always a University of Miami fan, so I never actually went to a Georgia game, even though I've been on the field. And I used to cover practices when I was a, when I was a student. Um, so I, you know, I root for it from my friends who are in Athens, but I, I can't say I'm a huge Georgia fan. I'd say if anything, um, the, the, the biggest relationship I have with Georgia is I like to joke that I got my my um, PhD in running back studies at the University of Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. So do you still kind of like the U a little bit? I do. I mean, I would say that there's a college football team that's still kind of root for it would be them because that was the, that was the first school that I went to and I, and I was a Miami fan, um, you know, watching them in the late eighties, early nineties. So, you know, I'd like to see them come up again and, and go from there. By the way, I watched that game Friday night of Miami against UVA and made me sick that Bryce Hall, the outstanding corner for UVA, got hurt. He's actually from where I live here in Harrisburg. I can remember walking up to him in a Red Robin on Sunday after church. I was at a Red Robin with my wife and daughters and Bryce Hall and his dad 
were sitting there when he was a freshman or maybe even had just committed to Virginia, met him, talked to him. Here he is. They said he would have been a first-round pick last year. Instead, he stays in school, and then Friday night suffers that devastating injury. There's almost nothing that that gets me more uh, that that hurts me more than that. I just hate seeing that for those guys. Yeah, it's just awful, and and it's just one of those things that all that work that they put in, and and you know this is this is someone's dream, you know, and and they they're working toward it, and they're as close, they're so close to that dream, and and now it requires at at best a ton of work to just get another opportunity. And that opportunity is probably not going to be as strong in terms of the support that they will get from, you know, from the next level that you would get as an earlier round pick. So, you know, it's a, it's a tough road, but it's one that, you know, we'll wish him the best and hope that, uh, you know, that he can work through it because if he can, it's going to be even more worthwhile. Well, let's get to some guys that are trying to take that road and that are playing this weekend. Uh, probably the biggest game this weekend is 7.30, whiteout conditions in Happy Valley as Penn State, coming off a big win over Iowa on the road, hosts Michigan. It was fun, by the way, watching A.J. Epinesa and watching some of the prospects we talked about last week. Now it's Penn State hosting Michigan. And let's start with a little O-line play how about Michigan left guard Ben Bredesen? Yeah, I mean, Bredesen, he's good-conditioned athlete at left guard. He has good hips. He rolls through contact as a puncher, and he has a long arm. So he's someone that once he gets his hands on you and he can do it with a punch, he's going to be able to rock you and then be able to take control. And he moves well laterally in pass protection and helps him handle stunts and twists effectively. He sets up well as a pass protector. Um, you know, and he's someone that you can tell is a little bit kind of by the book. And what I mean by that is that he approaches, the, you know, blocks like combo blocks with that tight position to his teammate and he'll work to the next man downfield. But I don't know if he has the great feel you want to have for taking angles, you know, on those types of blocks. He's a little linear as if he's running to how it's drawn up on the board rather than really truly being able to gauge the trajectory of an opponent's approach. I'd like to see a little bit more of that to, to, to really look at it. His, his pads can be a little too high. I mean, it, you know, he'll tend to be aggressive and overextend playing on his toes. Um, and if that initial pass set that he takes, that initial angle um, off the line is foiled against a defender, he doesn't recover that well. So, I, you know, those are things that I'm kind of looking for from him is to see the types of angles that he can take or counter angles that he that he needs to take against defenders when he's in the in the heat of battle. Got it. Okay. I'm looking forward to his matchup against a, a very good Penn State defensive line. Even their D tackles, Robert Windsor, a fifth year senior and PJ Mustafer were making some plays against Iowa. Uh let's get to the quarterback for Michigan. You know, he's one of those guys kind of like Nate Stanley last week. That people keep telling me he's a he's a pro prospect, Matt, and I keep watching him play and thinking eh, I don't think so. So uh, maybe I'm wrong. You studied him more closely than I have. What do you see when you watch Michigan quarterback Shea Patterson? I'm pretty much with you, Ross, and he's he's kind of a confusing player at best because. He has quick feet. He throws well on the move with reliable accuracy within about 20 yards from the point of the throw. 
He has that chain moving speed as an athlete. So I think athletically he looks like an NFL player. Um, when he can step into his releases, he has the velocity and accuracy that you're looking for from a pro quarterback. But that's just someone who fits the bill physically and, and as to a certain extent, technically, I mean, the deep arm and accuracy when he's successful, he can get the ball out and on a line 55 yards from the throw. Um, so people will see those types of highlights and like that. And there's some ability to manipulate a defender in his drop where he can look off one defender and go to another receiver. Um, and he can climb, reset, and fire the ball with accuracy from the pocket. But he lacks confidence in throwing opposite field on timing throws that are very clear that he should target from the pre-snap stage all the way to after the snap. And if he's looking where he should, the, the, the throw is there and he tends not to go there. I think he overreacts to pressure in tight pockets and he'll rush his decisions, which force him to, to throw the ball inaccurately when he had room to take that step and step through throws. And I think his pre-snap decisions need work. He has open players based on coverage that he doesn't attack when it's, it's clear that that's where he should be attacking. Even if he's looking there, he doesn't attack there at times. And I think the ball security is lacking. Um, so he, he's a guy that there's moments where he's exciting. And I think that when people see someone play fast, throw hard, be able to throw deep, um, that, you know, there's, there's things about that that can be very exciting about the player. And if he's shown college production, they're excited about it. But from a decision-making standpoint, there's a lot of things he needs to work on in order to be a consistent football player and just make the plays that are expected out of a quarterback from a down and distance situation that just aren't there. Um, I saw you tweeted a video, um, or at least a clip where you talked about accuracy I was mentioning earlier, uh, Matt, how I love your videos and your breakdowns, and you wrote that accuracy is a deceptive category. What do you mean by that? Yeah, because you know I was talking about it with Baker Mayfield from a couple of years ago and, and how Baker Mayfield's accuracy, when you see him being tracked by some of these stat services, how great it was at the college game. And that's fine, but there's two ways you can track accuracy, which is kind of what we could call, I call general accuracy, which is kind of catchable accuracy. The receiver should make the catch, but he's going to have to extend beyond just the, the flow of the break of the route. He's going to have to make an athletic adjustment to the ball. And, and those are passes that, you know, you look at and say, that's good enough in terms of being able to make the catch and what the receiver should do. But what you're really aiming for is pinpoint accuracy. And I think a lot of people think, well, that's just you're, you're, you're nitpicking and you're shooting for perfection. But the way I look at it is this. If Bill Walsh is going to be in a practice correcting Mike Holmgren on a Joe Montana throw on a post route and say that's not an accurate pass for what we want to do, do not, you know, do not praise our quarterbacks for throwing a ball like that to a receiver, even though he caught it, even though he had, because he had to make an adjustment, it's not where it is the way it's drawn up. You want to be able to throw it to the correct shoulder. You want to be able to throw it to the receiver working in stride, especially on timing routes where they're going to make a sharper break and they're going to be accelerating through that break. And if the ball's behind them and the defenders in tight coverage, you know, it may technically be accurate enough for the receiver to turn around and make the catch but you're putting either the receiver in danger or you're more likely to have 
a contested play that could result in a turnover. So for me, I'm I'm grading both general accuracy and pinpoint accuracy, and pinpoint accuracy is more preferred. So when I see players on certain routes throw the ball behind the receiver, even though they may have a high overall accuracy rating, if a lot of them are not pinpoint, I, I look at this that these guys are the top 1% of football players in, in, you know, that's where they're heading. And, and, you know, you're looking at a smaller number of errors per whatever amount that you want to count. And you need to be that nitpicky to start projecting who are the top guys from who are guys that might be able to develop into competent NFL quarterbacks. So that's why I grade them either way, you know, and you use both types of systems to grade them in terms of general accuracy and pinpoint. Got it. Uh, let's get to the last player we're going to talk about in the Penn State-Michigan game, and that's Penn State defensive end Shaka Tony. Yeah, man, he's sudden, and you talked about him, you know, last week. You know, he's someone that has a good chop-rip combo. He has excellent hand placement when he uses his hands against the defender on pass rushes. I like his inside move. It's very strong, and he can flatten out angles sharply to get downhill to pursue backside of the runner or to set the edge. And he bends the edge well as a pass rusher. He's got that knee and ankle flexion that you're looking for. So that's something that defensive um, coaches are going to be able to work with with him in terms of developing the rest of his game because he has that athletic ability. And he locates the belt, the ball well. He's one of those type of guys that he can be working with uh, an offensive lineman with one hand to work past him and shed him while locating the ball and being able to make a chop with another. He's an exciting pass rush prospect. Yeah, he he really is. Came to school at 195 pounds, you know, from inner city Philly, and uh, he's kind of built up his body, but he has a good get-off. He's got a good long arm, uh, nice angular build. Let's get to Arizona State, Utah, Matt, and another defensive end. This one, Bradley Anai from Utah. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about this guy. It's interesting because – he is sudden off the line. He can flatten off. He's got some heavy hands, and he can use a variety of moves like the push-pull, the arm over the rip. He has a really strong inside spin, um, and he shows some bend to get around the edge. But I'd like to see a little bit more. I'd like to see if he can flex the, the ankles and knees a little bit more and, and develop that bend a little better. I don't know if he has a great bend that you're looking for for the NFL. Um, I don't think he anchors very well against blocks, and, and you can see that especially on runs where there's zone blocking. I just don't think that he's he's great at that. But um, he is good at sniffing out gap runs and taking the puller on early, but he's not also he's also kind of up and down against diagnosing um, plays like screen plays. I think he leaves his feet too early when closing on the quarterback consistently and ends up missing the guy when he could have taken more steps to work through and around. Um, he gives up his chest too easily. I think he gets washed inside and moved inside by edge blockers too easily and has difficulty shedding blocks. So, uh, you know, I think that he has the just enough athletic ability to make the NFL and to be able to help out a team in the capacity, but I don't know if he's going to be um, a strong starter in the league. Yep, I think all that is is pretty fair. Um, Utah, it's interesting. Utah seems like they have more prospects than people realize. How about the quarterback, uh, Jallian Johnson? Yeah, you know, he's he's a fun one because he has that phone booth quickness. You know, in, really in tight spaces after the break, he can earn position and cut off a, a wide receiver, and he can turn late with um, in terms of being able to attack the ball when working tight to them. But he's – but it's funny because as quick as he is in that way, 
from a longer span of time, he's a little bit more awkward in the way that he moves, but he has long speed. I love how sudden his jams are at the line. He's very quick arms and hands. Um, and he can attack the ball high and low also as a, as more of a receiver or a cornerback being a ball hawk. Um, he's also aware of when to peel off his primary assignment to make plays on, say, the receiver adjacent to his the one that he's covering. Um, he bends the edge and flattens well as a pass rusher, so you can send him on, on those types of assignments. Um, but I just think he, as a tackler, though he can wrap up, he goes for the big hit too often. He'll lead too often with the shoulder and forearm rather than wrapping. And I think he plays the quarterback way too long where he's looking at the quarterback while covering his assignment rather than playing the receiver. And he often gets um, kind of caught on that on vertical routes. And he can also get too physical and use his hands a little too much at the top of, of stems of receivers routes. And, and I think he bites easily on manipulative ploys, you know, like pump fakes and double moves. But overall, I, I think that there's enough there that, that he could turn into a starting corner in the NFL. It just needs some work in terms of smoothing out the, some of his game and being a little bit more refined and finesse than physical. Um, how about the running back from Arizona State? He's a fun one to watch. I've seen Arizona State. It seems like they play a lot of like Friday night games or game. I don't know. Arizona State's been on TV a bunch. Eno Benjamin. Yeah, he's he is fun. I mean, Rossi. When you see a guy who can frequently bounce off multiple hits during a run, that's a guy you're going to like. I mean, he's, he's, he's a physical player. He, he shows off the contact balance you're looking for. He can pull through wraps at every level of the defense when he gets downhill. Um, and I think he sets up creases pretty well with his footwork and pacing, so there's some intelligence to his running. And I think he, as a receiver, there's some versatility there. He makes himself a friendly target you know, when running against zone defenses and he transitions well um, in terms of being able to just turn immediately downhill and get downhill as fast as possible rather than trying to make, you know, square up and make a move and waste time and, and, and not get as much um, yardage as a result. He sets up double teams well. He sets up gap blocks well with patience. And I think he has enough quickness to bounce to the edge on a consistent basis. And he runs with that shake that I think is difficult for, um, opposing defenders to be able to get a good angle on him. I, a guy like Justin Jackson runs with a really good upper body where it, it's kind of loose and it allows him to be able to make moves and and, and be deceptive to defenders. The, the big thing for him is that I think he relies too much on jump cuts and jump stops. His footwork isn't quite efficient enough to handle some of the more difficult scenarios that occur regularly in the NFL, which is you know, good penetration by defensive tackles and defensive ends and linebackers shooting through gaps into the backfield as he's taking the exchange. You know, these are types of plays that now with running backs, you really need to be able to get back to the line of scrimmage at the very least. And he's prone to making inefficient types of cuts and not, a, and not really used to using efficient turns, being able to bend his hips and just take a step. A guy like Chris Johnson or Arian Foster were great at that. Matt Forte was great at that. Um, but, and they all could jump cut and jump stop. So, you know, Benjamin just has to learn that if he can do that, he, he's really going to become a much more refined player in a number of different, different circumstances. Cause he just adds a, a more efficient type of footwork to his toolbox. Let's move on. It's a huge game in the American conference Tulane and Memphis Saturday, 7 PM, uh, both very talented squads. 
We'll start with Tulane running back Darius Bradwell. Got a chance to see him the last two years, including this year against Army. Very thick, very powerfully built. I mean, he's all of 230, 235, but he also showed decent body control, making a catch out of the backfield in that game. Um, and he's been able to hold off Corey Dauphine, Tulane's backup running back, who literally run the 20.7200, which is insane. What um, <laughs> what do you have on Darius Bradwell, Matt? Yeah, I mean, he's a decisive runner, and he is agile enough to work that next gap over. Or, and he can take the short corner. So, you know, when you're on the on the near hash and he can work around that end and get upfield and he has enough burst to turn that. He's And, you know, at 230, you know, he's going to push a pile. He's going to work through reaches and wraps at his waist and lower legs. You're, you're really going to have to bring it and wrap up and drive to be able to bring him to the ground. And he has enough footwork to bend or veer around the edge or work around penetration into the backfield. So he's fairly efficient with the skills that he has. I don't think he has great suddenness or explosion with change of direction. So it does limit him to being more of a downhill option, but he plays in a way that he knows what his style is. And when you know who you are at this stage, that's a good thing because you can make the most of it. Um, I, I don't know if he really has starter caliber speed for the running back position in terms of the NFL, which is often hard to gauge at this point. Um, but he can reach that second and third level of a defense on a well-blocked play, and he's going to get positive yards for you and, and give you an explosive play on a well-blocked play. He's a willing puncher in pass protection. He's just got to bend his knees and roll through his hips a little bit more. And while he can catch the ball, he does have some lapses securing the ball in the passing game while trying to transition upfield. He just has to concentrate a little bit better. But overall, he's an intriguing player. I think kind of more of a, an undrafted free agent type in this rich you know, atmosphere of running backs in terms of that there's a lot of talent out there. But he's someone that could make an impact in a camp. Uh, Memphis typically has some speed. Last year, man, a couple of running backs that are now playing for the Rams and the Cowboys. What about their wide receiver, DeMonte Coxie? Yeah, he's he's a fun receiver, and he's he's probably one of the, the prospects that I can't, can't wait to keep an eye on for maybe you know the postseason here because he's an excellent contested catch player. He has great body control. He has good timing when the ball's in the air to go up and win it early. He's someone that when you – he's not just a guy who's a jump ball player, but he's also a guy as often you hear about as a grabber, someone who can work through contact to be able to win the ball. Um, he has sudden footwork off the line. He's developed a few different releases paired with, you know, with his footwork as well as with hand work to earn separation. So he, you often see him have a plan at the line, which is something that you – that speaks more to his skills than a lot of receivers who may even be more athletically talented than him. Some of them don't even have a plan at the line compared to, you know, the types of plans he shows. He makes a first man miss usually as a ball carrier, but also often the second and sometimes even the third and fourth. So he's a pretty elusive guy for being a tall, thin type of guy, kind of a wiry athlete. He's a willing blocker. He just has to learn to close the gap a little bit and he can sell vertical routes he has a bit of a he can tell a story into the stems of of longer routes in terms of you know selling the corner when working the post you know breaking to the post or the opposite. Um, I just like to see more routes from him. So you know during the postseason, I'd like to see the how he runs timing routes that have to use hard breaks and see more reps against top competition. So I'd like 
I'm hoping he gets to go to a, a game like the East West Shrine game or the Senior Bowl um, because he's an intriguing athlete who wins the ball well. I just like to see how technically advanced he is at this point. Finally, Matt, uh, let's finish up then with TJ Carter, who's a corner for Memphis. Yeah, and, and you know, he's a fun player because he's he's kind of a smaller guy, but he plays very physical. He's a good hitter. He's going to be someone that can work up the alley versus the run, shed blockers. I've seen him shed some pretty good tight ends in the you know, who are NFL prospects and be able to work downhill and, and find the run, the running back or the receiver. He turns well in tight coverage. Um, he shows some ability to handle larger receivers and tight ends one-on-one, even on fade routes and then in the red zone. Um, he maintains position pretty well, even while watching the quarterback with his eyes. So he has a good feel for moving and changing direction, even when he's not focused on the receiver. Um, he, he has enough speed that he recovers fast. He can run down breakaway runs in the open field and cover a good bit of distance doing so. Um, he's just can be a little too aggressive, you know, and, and, and not, and be a little too handsy at the wrong moments, but he's a, he's a fun cornerback. And I think that he's someone that I'm looking forward to seeing him more and more on film against top competition. Um, I, I think that he's an intriguing player. Love it, Matt. Absolutely love it. Thank you, as always, for the time. Looking forward to a big college football weekend. Maybe not quite as good as last weekend, but still got plenty of good games, plenty of good prospects to keep an eye on. Thanks, as always, for steering the ship here on the College Draft Podcast. It's always my pleasure, Ross. It's a lot of fun. Again, check him out on Twitter at Matt Waldman. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We always post this and every other podcast to our Twitter page at RTF Podcast. That's Brian, our producer's Twitter handle. Uh, So you can always know if you set an alert, you can always know when all of the podcasts are posted, which is very, very helpful. You can also take any of the information you got from Matt and go right to betonline.ag. You heard what he said about Shea Patterson. You heard what he said about some of these guys. Go to betonline.ag. Use the promo code PODCAST1. You have a 50% welcome bonus. And I'm telling you, I am going to win the PODCAST1 Sportsnet Challenge. I remain stunned that I have not won it yet. I don't actually know how that's even possible. But evidently it is. I will win it. It will be mine, and I will put $100 in five of your accounts. So make sure you do that. BetOnline.ag, promo code PODCAST1. The only other thing I would mention is the fact that uh, we're doing Even Money Podcast today. So make sure you're looking out for it. We'll have the Fantasy Feast tomorrow. We're swapping Even Money and Fantasy Feast this week, but you'll have them both plenty of time to set your lineups and place your bets. Other than that, the keg is kicked, and we're all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.